It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Capture comes with a five-star safety rating and is an ideal compact SUV with lots of space for the family. Pick up your 192 Capture at Blackstone Motors this August. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of guests and chat and music for you over the next couple of hours. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, it's 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or you can call in on 1850-715-958. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us across all the social media platforms as well. Well, you know what? I just can't get too much of the fla this week. And we're consumed. Yes, we are in this neck of the woods with our culture and musical heritage with the fla and you do know by this stage I love the violin or fiddle so to begin our show today I want to introduce you to a young loud woman who plays the fiddle exquisitely and to coincide with the fla she releases her very first album tomorrow Roisin Ward McMorrow you're welcome to Late Lunch Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're so welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Tell me this first. I'm always intrigued. You're a young girl from the Wee County and you play the fiddle brilliantly, as I said. Where did you pick this up from? Why the fiddle? Um, well, I think I had a few cousins that played. I think I really liked it whenever I heard them playing it. So my, my mum shipped me off to Noreen McManus, who just lives down the road. And I started my fiddle lessons with her. Yeah, A famous name <laughs> yeah. to teach you from the start. Now, you're holding a beautiful instrument in your arms there today. I, I take it it's changed over the years. What age did you start at? Um, I think I started when I was about seven. Right, so you yeah. were a young beginner. Yes. Lovely age to start, actually. Yeah. And and how, how many of these ha- have you had since? Well, the, well, I've actually had this one since I was about 13. Right. So I've had this for over 10 years now. All right. Yeah. And and does it become part and parcel of you? If, yes. If you, if, <laughs> no, nothing will happen. It, But if you hadn't got it, would would you really be at a, at a miss, at a loss? I, I think so, because I really, like, I really adapted to the tone of the fiddle. And um, I really, I know how to work it. You know, it would take so long to learn how to use another fiddle, you know. Yes, that will never happen, let me assure you. She (laughs) minds it with her life. You actually cross genres, though, in a way, because the cross-border youth orchestra, and we say hello to Sharon Tracy Dunn, it's founder today, a fantastic woman. You are part and parcel of it. Yeah, I was in it for about 10 years, actually. only left maybe about two, three years ago, yeah. Mm, And that, obviously, was a fantastic experience for you. Oh, completely, completely. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be half the player I am without it, really. And you have so many opportunities, like we've played all over the world, uh, and such brilliant music as well. We had so much fun, so it's been 
it was really a good thing to be part of. I saw where you played. You played in Carnegie Hall. Yeah. The Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. <laughs> for the President of America, Mr. Obama. Mr. Obama, yeah. Oh my word, what memories to have. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that something about music, when you perform or when you're part of a group, that this this is really the core of it? Yeah, and you have such a, a tight bond with the people that you do it with as well. So it's really good memories with really good friends. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Is it trad or Irish music for you now going forward, Yeah, Roisin? it's Irish music for me now, yeah, definitely. Is it? That's yeah. where you see yourself and that's where you're, you're, you're most at home. Um you studied on, obviously. You moved on from your early days and went to school locally and you went to DIT. You graduated there in the music? Yeah, in the conservatory, yeah. Okay. What was that like to go there and, and learn there? Um, it was brilliant because I'd been waiting for it all my teenage years. All I wanted to do was play music every day. So then whenever whenever I got to do my music degree, it was brilliant because that was all I did seven days a week then. No, no maths or science or any of this. <laughs> That's a dream for someone like you, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough yeah. and it was really hard, but I, but I'm really glad I did it. Yeah, because yeah. there's exams to be got and yeah. there's study to be done besides as well. Not the, the, the usual subject from school or whatever, but you did and you were most successful. You teach. Are you a teacher now yourself? Do you teach people? I am. I've got, oh God, I don't even know how many students I have. I think I might have about 40 students. Um, I teach at home in the house in Dromiskin and I also teach with Grow Music in the town hall and out in Ballymacheddy College as well. You are so. one busy woman. So between teaching and playing and writing music, and we'll get onto this beautiful yeah. new album in a minute, you're a busy bee. Very busy, yeah. Ah, that's the way to have it. Now, you... Say of yourself, which you're teaching, I, I just cop this and I want to put it to you, that you're a pedagogue. Yeah, well, I, I specialised my degree in pedagogy. Oh. So in, in teaching music. Yeah. Right. So in other words, you're strict and you're <laughs> pedantic with your students. I don't think my students would agree with that. No, no, no you're no. not. You're not no, really. No, no, no. So not you're not the definition of the word by any means. No. <laughs> no, she's not. She's lovely. I mean, I really mean that. No. She is. Hey, what's this about you and tea? And tea? Yeah. What are you talking about? You drink a lot of tea. I do drink a lot of tea. How many cups a day? <laughs> Three or four. I, I, got, I got hooked on the coffee there for a while. Did you? Yeah. I think you're underestimating the tea. <laughs> you're just trying to play it there. I, a little birdie told me you drink a lot more tea. Why tea? What, what does tea do for you? Gives you a little lift, does it, when you need it? Sometimes you just need it, yeah. What way do you drink your tea? Wait, I do have a lot of milk in it though. It's milky tea. Yeah, do you leave the tea bag in or do you take it out? I know you have to take it out. Oh, you have to, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, that leaving the bag in. I couldn't drink it. Oh, <laughs> oh, not at all. It's just not the same. Now, this album, the name of it, By the Light of the Moon. Yeah. It's a beautiful name. Who came up with that? Um, it's actually a line from the very first tune, The Wounded Hussar. Uh, which tells the story of a woman finding her love dying on the banks of the Danube. Um, so one of the lyrics in it is, by the light of the moon. And you said, this is it, a, a eureka moment. This is the name I'm yeah. putting on the album. <laughs> now, there are eight tracks on this lovely album, and I've listened to them. I've listened to them between yesterday and today, and I have to say, I love them. There are a series of laments. Is that a fair comment on them? Yeah, laments are slow airs. Um, slow airs, in Irish music, slow airs are a kind of tune that usually come from the Shannos songs or the melodies of the Shannos tradition. Uh, but you have some that are composed uh, without the song as well. So you just have some that are composed with the melody and you have some that come from the songs as well. 
You've written some of these. Yeah, I've written two of them, yeah. And you've also borrowed as well. And one in particular that caught my ear and my eye is O'Carolyn's Farewell to Music, the yeah. wonderful O'Carolyn from Meath. Yes. That was the last piece. That's the last piece he wrote before he died in 1738. A long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't it, I meant to say to you, like, they're all beautiful. I have to say they are. I enjoyed them so much. I listened to the album. I put my headphones on and I didn't realise it was over. I'd listened to all the tracks <laughs> when, it, when it came to the end. But that, to be written at that time, that O'Carolyn piece, mm-hmm. it's timeless, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, when beautiful. you think of the age of it and we are listening to it today, it is magical. So, the two you wrote yourself, tell me about those because they're very special to you, I know. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one, um, On Chakanak Alone, I wrote that for my neighbours that passed away. I think they passed away within something like 18 days of each other. Oh. Alice and Jackie Kinahan, yeah. Um, but we were so close with them. Like me and my sister called Alice Nanny Alice. She was our she was our extra granny next door, and Jackie I unfortunately didn't know just as well because he was sick. But uh, he actually tuned up my very first fiddle whenever I got it. Oh, yeah, exactly. isn't that a lovely connection? Yeah. And and this song is dedicated to their memory. Yeah, Alice and Jackie Kinahan. Yeah, and the other one you wrote, um, Sloane Walia. And why? What? What? Uh, Walia, as we know, is safe home. Is it a goodbye? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, I wrote it for I wrote it for a period of my life but that wasn't just the happiest time and somebody said to me, you know, maybe you should write a tune for yourself about that. So that was Sloan Awalia, yeah. And it brings back that time to you. You know when you write something about a time yeah. and you play it, but you've no that, that's not a bother to you. No, 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 that's fine. I I'm reminded of it but I'm not upset about it. Good. Yeah. Good. Well will you play for me? Will, will. will you play one of your own there? <laughs> yeah. So what are you gonna play? Which uh, of them? I'll play on Chakanakalum. And again, this is dedicated to Alice, to the memory of Alice and Jackie Kinahan, neighbours of Roisin's, and she really called them the other granny and granddad as well. Yeah, and I have to, I have to say, whenever I'm here, Breffney Houlihan played on this album. Oh with yes, me. mentioned, and, and yeah. there's somebody else there as well. Who's the third person? Um, Fiona Howland. He he played on the first track, but Breffney Houlihan. He wrote some absolutely incredible arrangements for this album. He's from Drogheda, and he played on the whole thing, and it's just it really elevated it to a completely different place and it just sounds amazing it's all the man is a genius he's an absolute genius I know he really is we've had him here late lunch before he is but anyway today it's you Roisin in the spotlight please do play for us and here is the song track five from the new album by the light of the moon and it's called on chock inakalum
an teach in Akalom la Roshin Ward McMorrow go hinta go hauling haunting beautiful <laughs> absolutely beautiful may I say it really is gorgeous Kieran Gallagher has been on to say I totally <laughs> love Roisin's music I'm a huge fan she's a wonderful player and singer and she really has impressed Jerry the likes of Martin Hayes and that is impressive can't wait to see her tomorrow night and that comes from Kieran today <laughs> and Kieran, that leads us nicely in to tell everybody that the launch of the album is happening tomorrow night in the beautiful Augustinian church and shops Street in Drogheda at 8 o'clock and she's back on Friday uh, uh, with the flowers as well at the tower yes you're up in Millmount on Friday yep that's at half seven in Millmount uh, tickets are 11 euro listen get along there's so many gigs going on but you can't miss this woman she's in town for two nights yeah. and you were just saying you've been down yesterday and over yeah. the weekend today. the oh, town is hopping isn't it yeah it's hopping the place the isn't it hopping, yeah. it really is hopping and you're part of the reason why it's hopping as well this lovely album by the light of the moon how can they get hold of it besides seeing you tomorrow night at the launch yeah. and on Friday in Millmount where well it's actually available now on www.roshinmusic.com RoshinMusic.com This album is available. You're great. You're wonderful. Thank you for joining me (laughs) on the show. Have a continued great week at the Flan. Don't forget the Augustinians Shop Street tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Go along, see her, listen and buy the album. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks very much, Jerry. Yeah, and there's lots happening for the flower around Drogheda this very day. Just to mention one or two of them, Zoe Conway, John McIntyre and Cormac Begley, they're performing in St Peter's Church of Ireland tonight at six o'clock. And then a big gig in the Coca-Cola Fla Concert Dome on uh, Rathmullen Road. Yes, Horselips. That's Johnny Fiend, Barry Devlin and Jim Lockhart with Ray Fiend on the drums. Uh, four Men and a Dog and Stockton's Wing. That's 8 o'clock tonight. And you can book tickets at the Fla office in Lawrence Street in Drogheda or Fla.ie. Now, besides the Fla going on in the northeast, there's a huge sporting event involving a club from the northeast this evening it's in Tala yes Dundalk you will know last week went out to Bratislava and narrowly lost with a late goal by 1-0 to nil. but they're right in the mix tonight the game's in Tala and the man who will be listening to you with his melodic voice on commentary is with me on late lunch Adrian Taft good to talk to you again I know it's the flower but I'm not going to be melodic Jerry yet <laughs> he, was, he wanted to know was he going to be asked to play the beautiful fiddle as Roisin left the studio I said absolutely not stick to the commentary <laughs> anyway, nice to have you nearer to home and uh, reflecting reflecting back on last week's game uh, abroad. They did so well and it looked like they were going to come out with the dream result, 0-0. Yeah, it was one of those games. It could have been better and it could have been worse mm. in some respects. You know, Gary Rogers was forced into a few very smart saves in the game. But as you say, Dundalk had chances. They had two in each half. Um, in the first half, Michael Duffy and Andy Boyle had chances. And in the second, Jamie McGrath, I thought, had an outstanding one. And then, of course, John Mountney um, in the dying moments with that one that crashed back off the crossbar. It was a great save. Yeah. In fairness to the goalkeeper, it was excellent, you know. Uh, but but yeah, it could have been better. It could have been worse in a way goal. What would that have meant for the tie? Oh like it's, my! You know, it, it, tonight, I I don't see Slovan not coming and trying to get the away goal themselves because it means so much in the context of the tie. If they get an away goal tonight, Dundalk need three, and that's going to be a tall order. I know they did it against Bate Borisov a few years ago, and that's what people are harking back to and, and pinning their hopes on. But um, again, I think there's a good side, and I think a lot of their strengths are in going forward, and I think they'll try and maximise that and try and get an away goal tonight. <laughs> 
The problem is one goal in the last five European games. They haven't actually won a match over 90 minutes or even the 120 when they went to extra time. It took penalties as well. So something's going to have to give tonight. They're really going to, I know they've been excellent defensively, but they're going to have to be expressive in a way tonight, which affords the opposition a little more room as well. So it's a real conundrum. How does Vinny approach this? Do they, like the first half, they don't go gung ho, I'm sure, from the start. I'm sure that it'll be interesting to see what way Vinny does approach it. Uh, like, he made the change last week in leaving out Patrick McElhaney, which I kind of suspected he might. He, he hasn't been in the best of form lately, and he, he moved Jamie McGrath in, inside, who may not have the uh, imagination of McElhaney in some respects, but he's, he's good on the ball and he works very hard. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he sticks with that decision tonight or if he reverts to McElhaney in a, effectively a home game. Um, so, does Vinny go out and chase the game? I don't think that they'll go gung-ho right from the start, to be honest. You know, I, I think it'd be foolish because the danger of losing that goal is huge. You know, at the end of the day, if they can get one at some point in the first 70 minutes, uh, you know, they're in the tie then, you know, and you know you have extra time then at the very least to look forward to, you know. So, I don't think they'll go gung-ho. Um, I do think there'll be a positivity to them. Like Vinny said last week that um, he wanted Dundalk played in Dundalk way and I expect fully expect them to do that at home. But uh, they'll have to be sensible too um, like when you look at it last week he made a brave enough decision in deciding not to play Sean Hoare alongside Chris yes. Shields in front of the back four and go with Sean Murray who's a more creative player I, I suspect we'll probably see that again tonight Sean Murray there but um, I think there'll be I think there'll be a, a not conservative element to, to Vinny's set up tonight but I think it'll be sensible as well uh, I don't think that he can afford to concede a goal uh, to um, to Braslava certainly not in the first half or you know chasing three goals then yes. it's a tall order you know? and they've been in talent in the past you know it's just a matter of fact Oriel Park doesn't meet the requirements when we get to this stage of a competition they've done well there before they've great memories of the place they'll be a big supporter it's only up the road with the motorway like it's, 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 it's so close really for people and there's going to be a big home support and I'd say quite a few neutrals will be there tonight supporting Dundalk yeah yeah there'll be a lot of um, League yeah, of Ireland I think, I think you know, so yeah. yeah yeah that's certainly what they're hoping for I know that they put ads on some of the Dundalk radio stations or sorry, some of the Dublin radio stations yes. looking to appeal to them to come out and support the team Dundalk haven't lost uh, both legs of a European tie since uh, 2010 you know so that augurs quite well having said that not losing won't be enough tonight they really have to win tonight mm. if they're uh, going yes to a draw's no good a draw's no good no not, uh, not a, now, a, a know. win by 1-0 sends it into the extra time and potentially penalties 2-0 of course if they're through and, and yeah. that's 2-1 well we all know that away goal is just so crucial and the more I've listened to you in recent years with them and watched the European scenario really you know, the away goal is so, so important, isn't it? If you get one, and like, I know they didn't get one over there, but it's 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 the same. This crowd know it tonight coming here. If they score, well, it's really going to be game over. I know I'm, I'm contrary to popular opinion in that yeah. I believe the away leg second is the advantage, to be honest. Because to be going away second, go, I, I so you think, think so. Have, have an advantage. I tonight. think so. Well, when you look at it, they've got the home goal. They've, they're one 0 in the lead. They can wait for an opportunity to come, and if they get that away goal, all of a sudden Dundalk need three. Mm. I think that's the ideal scenario that Bratislava are in at the moment, and that's not to play down Dundalk's chances tonight. They are at home. They will have a partisan crowd, as Vinny Perth has said. Dundalk need the partisan crowd to push them on, as the Bratislava fans did last week, mm. um, I, I, and he's relying on that a lot. To be honest, you know, he's he's looking 
waiting for a, a big, a lot of noise from the Dundalk supporters. The atmosphere last week was fantastic mm. from the Slovan supporters, and and he wants that tonight, and that is an advantage to have that at home. But um, I think football in the last number of years has changed in somewhat in, in that teams are more attacking, they're more willing to go and chase an away goal, and I think it's less of an advantage to be home second than mm. it used to be it's, my it's a big prize for both sides tonight you know uh, Europa playoff game you're only then you know two a home and away match away from being in the groups and the monetary rewards that that can bring to a football club as well I know they won't be looking beyond tonight tonight is the focus and, and the other game then will, will take care of itself you're not a great man for making a prediction so I won't ask you to your head but maybe you give me your heart feelings well, that's easy. <laughs> that's easy. Like, I, I hope Dundalk, you know, it goes through, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see. Do I really think Dundalk are going through tonight if I use my head? Um, I think it's very, I think it's maybe 60-40 in favour of Slovan, if I'm right. honest, you know. Okay. Uh, it's just that I think they're a good side going forward. I think Dundalk do have a chance. They've got the pedigree at, uh, at this level of the game. They've seen off bigger teams than this. But they were in better form in 2016 than I think they are now. And this Slovan side are unbeaten in nine. They've won their last seven in the uh, last seven in league and Europe, scoring 18 goals in the process. The only two that they haven't won have been draws in the first two rounds of the uh, Champions League, yes. and uh, they lost that on penalties. Now they've changed managers. They, even, well, that, even that, with that, that record, they changed, that's how ruthless they are. That was it. He was gone. Yeah, the, the manager. Even with a record like yeah. that, they yeah, changed yeah, their yeah, managers. Yeah, Not yeah, good enough yeah, for them. That's yeah. what they expect. Yeah. Uh, they have money. They have form in Europe and that as well. But look, Dundalk have form and they have pedigree as well, and they've done wonderful for the last few years. So you're on the airwaves tonight from five to eight. Five to eight. Yeah. Anybody yeah. with you this evening? Uh, John Flanagan, the ex Dundalk captain. Oh, yes. He does a lot of the home games commentary and yeah. Okay, so it's on LMFM Radio Live this evening. It's on LMFM.ie if you log in there. It's on the app as well, on our LMFM app. Make sure you have it as well. You can listen to it anywhere. And I'm sure there's going to be thousands and thousands of Lily White's fans in Ireland and all over the world on with you tonight as well, willing them on. And hopefully we'll have tomorrow to mark another great European occasion for the Dundalk Football Club. We wish them well this evening and wish you well too on commentary. Thank Thank you so much for joining us on the show. News and weather coming at two. And after that, I'll be joined by the CEO of LGBT Ireland. It's a mere 26 years since homosexuality was decriminalised in Ireland. In 2010, same-sex civil partnerships became legal. And four years ago, in 2015, the country voted in same-sex marriage. My next guest on the show today has played a significant part in campaigning for change and is now CEO of LGBT Ireland. And more to the point, she's from Drogheda. You're so welcome to the show, Paula Fagan. Thank you, Jerry. Lovely to be here. Ah, oh, it's great to have you with us. I was just thinking with you uh, dropping into us today... You know, when you think of Ireland and its people, what a seismic shift there's been from deeply conservative to vanguard liberal. Yeah. Could you have believed it? No. (laughs) In a word, no. Why? Why did you not believe it? Did you think that it was so entrenched at one stage that there was no light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, I was thinking about that on the way down, Jerry. Yeah, I think think as well when you're part of a minority, um, growing up, I knew I was gay, from I was young and, and growing up you kind of I suppose you internalise a lot of things you know and I would have thought mistakenly thought maybe people were more conservative than they are and I suppose you so I yeah when I got involved in the marriage equality campaign um, we we were asked to get involved myself and my partner 
by Anne-Louise Gilligan, the late Anne-Louise Gilligan yes. and um, Catherine Sapone, who's now the Minister for Children. But they asked us to get involved. Now, I remember the first meeting was must have been back in 2005 and they, they asked us up to their house and they said, would you, you know, they were trying to convince, there was about 20 of us activists and they asked us, they were trying to convince us to get involved in their legal case to support them. And I thought at the time, they're mad. Like, we'll never see marriage equality in Ireland. And I remember saying to a friend of ours, Diana, she said, what do you think about this? And I said, well, I'll never see it in my lifetime. Now, I'm not that old. I know no, I'm getting old. No, you're not. <laughs> um, so that was how I felt. That's only, what, 10 years? Like, well, it's it's nearly 15 years ago now, but that was 2005 and it still seemed quite impossible then. But I think so much has changed in those 10 years, hasn't it? And I think really what we've, what those campaigns have allowed us to see is really the goodwill of people in Ireland. Like, genuinely, we are quite a loving and caring Yes. People. Yes. Uh, how is the, this is one thing that often uh, permeated my thoughts. The, the way the church had the country in its grip, mm. that was significant too, that that went. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I suppose it's a, it's been a gradual shift in people's, I suppose, the, you know, all of those changes, the introduction of, more global media, the more representation and visibility of difference, isn't it, as well? Mm. Like, mm. made us all, I suppose, have to question ourselves. Yeah, so. and, and that's true. That's another point as well. The yeah. way Ireland, you know, opened up to the world and the world to it with the yeah. the advances in communication. We were just talking about this the other day, where something happens on any side of the world and you hear about it instantaneously. That yeah, wasn't yeah. the case in the past. Yeah. But look, for you, you know, when you think of those 10 years, that campaign, you said this will never happen in my lifetime, as you had told us a moment ago. But can you pin a moment? Can you pin a time when you thought, oh my word, this is yeah. going our way? Yeah. Wow. No, so the early days, of, um, the early days of that campaign was really about, actually, and I think if anyone has the chance, there's actually a film about it on Netflix called The 34th. And it's good because it really paints the picture of 30 years ago, 20 years ago and 10 years ago, of, you know, the 10 years of the campaign. But I think... In the early days, which isn't quite known, I suppose, by the general public, really, what the first thing was convincing the LGBT community, so lesbian and gay people themselves, that marriage was important, right? So, you know, at that time, if you remember, like, you could be sacked if you were out gay yeah. and yet taught in a school that was Catholic run or yes. run by a religious um, ethos. Uh, people were regularly discriminated in work. People were experiencing attacks, homophobic attacks and so on. So I think the, you know, the bottom line for the community was marriage or, you know, there's other more important things to fight for. And I think that's why the likes of Anne, the late Anne-Louise and so on were very visionary in the sense that they were saying, no, this is symbolic. This is bigger than the sum of its parts. It's not just about marriage. It's about saying we're equal and you have a right to your dignity and respect and you to... I suppose, have your relationship recognised. And that, I suppose, lifted us up, if you like, to think, I suppose, in a sense, to be more confident and to be more sure that we had the right to this. Mm. Um, so that was the first thing, I suppose, so it was convincing the community. And then I think what you're asking me then is, like, we did polling early on and it was to see, well, what do people think about same-sex couples getting married? And the polls were, I don't know, not bad, like late 40% maybe said were in favour 
and then less so when you talked about children in a same sex uh, family. So I suppose the biggest change was when we started to see those numbers going up. So the polling started to change and the really the goodwill. And I, I remember from a personal point of view as well, it's important to remember that allies are so important. And one of the women that worked in marriage equality in she was the administrator and she was married to a man and she said to me sure that's not fair why can I get married and you can't get married to Denise and for her it was so straightforward and unequal and I suppose she could see it clearer than I could because I suppose I suppose I'd internalised the stigma maybe yes, over the years I, I know what you're saying and for somebody to say that to you was a light bulb moment yeah, I can see me. that, that yeah. for you the the staging post really was, as I said in the introduction, 2010, when same-sex civil partnerships happened. And and I, I suppose at that stage then, the tide was coming in, wasn't it? It yeah, was. It was, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that was the that was a, a momentous time, I'm sure, as well. Absolutely momentous. And I think what you started to see then, what we started to see was that force, first, I suppose, visibility and outpouring of, of families and friends saying, go into civil partnerships and in the local paper and you know it's that the sky didn't fall in and, and you began to see and we began to see look this is absolutely possible people are really behind us but then I suppose that the, the issue then from a campaigning point of view was convincing the politicians then to say well actually we have to go a step further and marriage equality mm. is what we need and I suppose nobody ever wants to fight a referendum and I think politicians more than anyone. Um, so that would talk a bit of convincing to to, to say no, actually. Yeah, but you did it and you had more or less cross-party yeah. and the rest is history and what a momentous time that was in 2015. You pass a referendum and, and the people bring it in is, is right. But what about practically on the ground? Are there still issues for people in your community? Definitely, Jerry. And I was... Um, I was delighted to be asked down to the launch of Drahada Outcomers last week and that's a support group for lesbian, gay, bi, trans people and their family members. And, you know, that's launching now here in 2019 and I think it's absolutely vital that that's there. And the reason being is that people, even though on the face of it, like people probably listen to the show will go, but you're, everything's okay now, you know, and it is to a certain extent and there's a lot of, advancements and rights and, and recognition. But I suppose when somebody realises they're LGBT, there's still, most of the time, people need support around that. There's still a, a stigma around that. And I think we see it in research, you know, young people four times more likely to self-harm if they're LGBT because of the stigma that they feel. Still an awful lot of young people leave school early um, if they're LGBT due to bullying. And I think also then it's not just young people, I suppose it's across all ages, really. We work with a lot of people now and they're middle aged to older people. Yet there's a community that you don't hear a lot about and people who had to live under the radar for a a big part of their lives. Absolutely. be something for them, you know, and support there. Yeah, so one of the things we're working mostly on in LGBT Ireland, we're working with a lot of the health, services that work with older people like nursing homes like the daycare centres and really at the moment there's no LGBT people visible in them right so we know the difference from the difference now is people know statistically that's not possible so I think the health professionals are much more open now to looking at why that is why people don't feel safe to be out and I suppose what the older people are saying is that they don't feel they look at 
services, they look at nursing homes, they look at daycare centres and they don't feel that, that they'd be welcoming Yes, of them. Yes. So oh. there are issues there to be dealt with. Yeah. You mentioned the young people and, and it still is a, a big yeah. issue for people to come out with in their families and there are still people who find this hard to accept of an Absolutely. age. Absolutely. You know that. Yeah. Like yeah. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. And it's also to say that to people because also a lot, of fam- a lot of parents ring us for support and that they should do that. Like it's, I suppose as well, parents absorb this feeling that everything's okay and I should be really accepting and that does take time as well. And I think it's important for people to understand that the, the stigma is there and it's the stigma. Family members feel that stigma. It's not just LGBT people yes. themselves. So I think it's, I'd, I'd love if parents are listening, not to feel that they shouldn't reach out. Try and be accepting and do, I'd say, I say to people sometimes, fake it till you make it because it's not your child's, you know, they are who they are, but also then it's good to get support. Cause they are important so. words. Want to take a short break. Paula Fagan is with us. She's CEO of LGBT Ireland. If you'd like to comment, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Paula Fagan's with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. She's CEO of LGBT Ireland. What's the next big issue? We, you, you met, there's loads of issues, of course, for you and your organisation, but the big mm-hmm. one coming down the mm-hmm. tracks. So, Jerry, the big one that we're working on at the moment in terms of the law really is the in relation to family rights. So when I say family rights, I mean same-sex parents who have children. I have children myself. So while there was a law brought in in 2015, it was never fully commenced. So it means that same-sex couples, same-sex parents, even though many of us are married now, we don't have legal recognition of our children. Um, So that's kind of, people don't, it's fallen under the radar. People are surprised at that they, they thought marriage equality would fix that. Um, so we're campaigning really to get that law commenced and then to bring in additional regulations and so on to make the process much easier for, for same-sex couples and families. So that's a, a, a quite a focus of your attention at this point. In time. Just to go back to you, you marry, did you marry after the, the law was enacted quickly? Um no. <laughs> <laughs> you waited, did you? <laughs> As my mother-in-law says, Janice's mother, she's like, what was all the fuss about? We waited so long. Yeah. But um, no, we had we had civilly partnered in 2013. And yeah, it just was like, I think we were exhausted after the campaign. Yes. And everything. So we, we uh, took us a while to get married then after that. But it was much, sim- it's a much simpler process then. You just upgrade the civil partnership. So yeah. Straightforward at that yeah. stage. For, for children of same-sex couples as well, yeah. are there issues there for children, you know, as they grow up? Will there be more issues? Are they going to encounter things that, you know, yeah. will have to be dealt with? Yeah. Not that I see. I suppose we've seen a lot of research. There's a lot of research in the UK. Certainly in my own experience, we support maybe two, three hundred families um, that have been talking to us. The issues really are, around, at the moment anyway, around legal recognition. So say your child... A lot of for a lot of families, for example, getting a passport is really difficult because only the one of the parents is legally right. recognised. Um, so stuff like that. I mean, in terms of the kids, I think that's where you really see the advances. Like my two, my eldest son is thirteen, my youngest is nine. Certainly, um, their school environment is really accepting. You know, their friends, they two mums, yeah, great. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Is there yeah. is there more like that's yeah you, you won't see issues there because it's changed and they're growing up with it yeah. and they understand more and I think so. I think you can certainly see in that generation while it's not sorted and I do it's interesting to see you know my son's thirteen and there's still this kind of you know 
saying gay for negative things oh that's so gay and I mean mm. that's funny to me but I think yeah in terms of that they're very accepting really down deep down and I suppose certainly what I've witnessed is they're used to they're, they accept difference and they accept two mums or two dads Yes. Really, it's quite straightforward for them. What a change. Again, I come back to this seismic change. One other thing I forgot to mention, and we talked about uh, many other issues that are, that, that are there, uh, direct provision. I, I, I met a person in here recently for, uh, ahead of the launch of the Outcomers in Drogheda who's in mm. direct provision in mm. Mosny. Is that mm. an issue for you? Massive issue, Jerry. We're working a lot with people who have migrated here but more uh, to the point really who are seeking asylum here and they would have come on the grounds of being um, I suppose tortured a lot of people have been tortured because they're LGBT have fled their countries and they end up here and they do feel much freer here in terms of being able to be themselves but then the problem for them is that then they're in direct provision and what that means is that they're housed with people from their home countries who have very very homophobic or transphobic views and so a lot of them the people we work with are still hiding their sexuality or gender identity because they're fearful of their lives a lot of the time even here even you know what they've come for refuge and it's important to say i think the people we're working with would say they're they're finding ireland a very free society a very open and welcoming society so it's not ireland per se it's the direct provision system and that's what we're we're working a lot. We're talking a lot with the Department of Justice to see is there anything that can be done to make that system more a safer system for LGBT asylum seekers. So can they house people together who they know are LGBT yes. and so on? So there's yeah. ways of making the system. It's not. It's a. We believe it's it, the system isn't right across the board, but there's ways of making it more more vulnerable people safer. Come back to you, and yeah. and reflect on on your on your own life. Did you realise from an early age that you were gay? Yeah, so I was thinking about this on the way up. Um, so I would have known I was, I don't know if I could say I, I, knew, I knew I was gay from I was six or seven, but I certainly knew I was uh, different in a sense of, you know, I suppose a lot of old adults say to children, you know, that is a story as well of when you grow up, oh, you'll meet the man of your dreams and so on. And I so that's how I knew that I knew deep down that wasn't going to be me. Um, but I say I wouldn't have known I was gay or put those words in it until I was maybe early teens. And I suppose that's when I would have realised and, and that's when I would have decided I would keep that a secret because I suppose that was the early 80s. And it's hard to believe now, but it's um, it was really, there was no positive visibility of gay and lesbian people at all. So I, I suppose I felt a lot of stigma around it. So I decided I'd keep it a secret. Um, which was Did grand. you have a partner? Did you have a girlfriend or anything no, like no, that? No, no, <laughs> no. No. Not in those early years, no. And I suppose I um, I was fine initially because, um, yeah, I had great fun with my friends and I had a good family and all that. So Did you tell anyone? N- not until I was uh, 24. And was that a family member you told? I actually told, I, I told my GP at the time and eventually, or... She was brilliant and she persuaded me to get therapy. And then eventually that helped me come out, basically, yeah. But it took that much What do you support. mean therapy? So I went into therapy. I went to see a counsellor. Not to say there's something out, but you and, and you need to change. Was that it? No, oh, oh, no, no, not no, conversion no. therapy. Sorry, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, just really to clarify just that, support. you know what I mean? Support, yeah. yeah. Support therapy to uh, facilitate. Yeah. 
the coming, coming out. out. And I suppose that's why I... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So delighted to be down at the launch of Outcomers because there wasn't an Outcomers in Drahad. There wasn't a support group back then. Yes. And I suppose that's why I believe most people, not everyone, but most people still need a bit of support. They mightn't have, they mightn't need therapy, say, that I did because yeah. I didn't see another option. But everybody needs a little bit of support still to get over that stigma. Oh, listen, yeah. that, that, yeah. That, and, and that's very important. Do you remember telling your folks? I do, yeah. What was that like? Oh, really emotional, really positive. My dad was amazing, uh, as my mother was as well. But um, my dad in particular, I remember, because he was just so like, that's great. You're, we love you and all that. You know, I'm emotional now thinking about it. But yes, it was amazing. But it, it's just you don't know that you do it. So it's it's if you had a, a magic wand, you could... Or a magic ball is it to see into the future? Did you feel you had a pep in your step after that? That there was a you know you know the weight Abs- taken off your shoulders? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think for anyone listening who's maybe not out or thinks their family member might maybe LGBT, I think it's that yeah, it is a weight off. It's not to say you should shouldn't do it till you're ready, but I think it is a weight off. And I think the main thing is to reach out and get support. So we run a helpline which is confidential. So the helpline is there now. What's that number? So it's one eight ninety nine two nine five three nine, and then we've a website so you can get f- um, online chat support as well with younger people like so that's lgbt.ie. So there's plenty of channels there to support uh, for anybody. It was a different world. It was a different time. It was a different Ireland. Absolutely, yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then, of course, 
Did your friends know before your mother filed? Just to come back at that again, I, I know I'm being a little probing here, but oh, did, no, did, no. Did, did, did they know before you actually told the folks? They did actually, which um, probably wasn't fair at the time to my folks, but I decided that was I needed to be confident in myself. And I yeah. think that really worked for me. I, what I see in terms of progress now is I see, like we run peer groups and a lot of parents drop off their, you know, young, their teenagers and ad, young adults. And isn't that amazing? So the parents are bringing the kids yeah. for support. Mm. So that's the shift. I didn't feel that wasn't the way I chose to do it, but actually it would have been fine either way. Yes. I uh, realise now. Nice comment there, Jerry. Well done to Paula. There will always be stigma with people who don't understand what being gay is in Ireland. Uh, it's getting better and the acceptance certainly is and in the case of parents too more awareness by more people thank you in that for that comment nice comment to, uh, to do us today Vera um, you sit here today uh, would you ever have believed you'd be heading up this organisation back all those years when Definitely you were not. standing and <laughs> waiting to tell the, your parents and all that no definitely mm. not Jerry. and I I think I suppose what I I got into this work really because I got support and and I was lucky enough once I came out jeez I never looked back you know and that's why I got involved that's why a lot of we've 80 volunteers that work every day to to run our helpline and that's why they get involved so I think yeah isn't it great you know I feel so lucky um and that's why I suppose I do what I do. You are lucky and I'll tell you uh, the people you support and have worked with, will work with, work with in the future are so lucky to have you too in your organisation. Thank you for dropping in to us on Late Lunch Thank today. You. It's great to meet you. It really uh, is. And pleasure. I wish you well uh, going forward and I really enjoyed our conversation today in the show for the moment. CEO of LGP, LGBT Ireland, Paula Fagan. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. Late lunch, LMFM radio on this Tuesday of the Flower Week in Drogheda. Maria Clark's been on to me. Hello, Maria. I'm so proud of my pal, Roisin. Yes, she's talking about Roisin Ward-Morrow, who was with us top of the show. Sounding amazing on late lunch this afternoon. Really looking forward to her concert tomorrow night and hope everybody comes to support her. She's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Thank you indeed for that lovely comment about Roisin. And just to, to mention something else happening in the flat tonight, Bagatelle are in town. Yes, we played some in Dublin on late lunch last Friday going back to the years when I began working not today or yesterday they're in the earth venue tonight and Donal O'Connor who was our special guest on late lunch yesterday top of the show uh, is in concert in the High Lanes Gallery tonight at 10 o'clock I think I might wander down to that myself to be honest with you now moving on in a week that's a celebration of all things native and cultural in, in music song verse and dance it's great to see other genres and influences being part of the flag old celebrations and with this in mind my next guest is an example I'm delighted to welcome Too Late Lunch Farah L Farah you're welcome <laughs> Hello how are you? I'm you. very good thank you very much for joining me on the show I know your mammy <laughs> <laughs> You do yeah <laughs> Yes Fatima Hamrush I want to say hello to her today Hi mom. <laughs> I hope she's listening in she's been with us many times on, on the show here and I wanted to say hello to her. and your brother Yeah, I had your brother as well here on late lunch hasn't I? You did so three, I've nearly all the family coming off <laughs> You're making stage. your way. <laughs> can, can I whisper this? I think I have, I think I have a very special one with me today. Is that all right Aww, to say? Thank you. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody else. You're welcome to late lunch. Tell us a bit about you. You were a, a, a tiny tot when you came to Ireland. Mm, mm-hmm. From where? From Libya. Benghazi, was exactly. it? Exactly. You came here from. What age were you? 
I was one and a half. So, look, at no memories, of course, at that stage. Where did the family set up in Ireland first? So we first came, we were in Dundrum for a year and then we were in Drumcondra for a few years and then Lucan and then Julianstown about 15 years ago. Ah, sure, look, yeah. at you're part of the, the <laughs> furniture here at this stage, <laughs> Julianstown in County Mead. Um, it, remind us again, your mum and dad came to work, was it, took them here? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, consultants, yeah. Okay, so they yeah. came to work here in Ireland. Now, what was it like growing up? Considering you spent most of your life here in mm. this neck of the woods, what's it like? Because you are from a Muslim background mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. growing up in this country, how was it? Well, it's funny because when you're a kid, you just sort of, you just grow up in your environment. And you don't really think twice about these things. And, you know, I suppose little cultural differences like, you know, not making your communion, your confirmation, those little bits, you know, not going to the masses or whatever. You don't really think about it. You just kind of go with what the flow of things is, really, to be honest. Um, and then I'd say it wasn't until I was about maybe... Um, maybe 19, I was 19 when I realised maybe some of the difficulties around it were due to culture clash, I guess, because growing up, I wouldn't have been doing the same things as maybe my peers would have been as well, down to cultural differences and, you know, different uh, rules and things that applied. So... I don't know. It was it was very natural growing up, and then you sort of begin to reflect, and then you realise, oh yeah, I'm actually not Irish, and <laughs> you know, completely. <laughs> is, is, is that how you feel? Like I, I know, look, your country of birth is your country always, and that's who you are. Yeah. But do you have that feeling that really in the country where you've lived the majority of your life? You're not part of it? Oh, no, I totally am. Like, you, d- you get this whole... Th- you're completely Irish by nature, of yes. course, when you're raising this. Like but, it's- but what you said there was, isn't that interesting? Growing up through primary school, secondary school, latter teenage years, mm. you know, that it was 19 years of age before things started to mm. run around. Yeah, yeah you, start, you start to kind of think back and realise that, yeah. that maybe that's... Um, that the differences uh, are to be celebrated as well. True. You know? You, you never had major issues with, you know, children of your own age or teenagers. You weren't, you didn't feel left out? Um, hmm. No. And yes, it's it totally depends on circumstances. Uh, of course, there's moments where things just go over your head and you might not even realise, you mm. know. Mm. Uh, especially because when you're a kid, you kind of have this innocence around, you know, you don't know why you might be excluded for things until it might be explained to you afterwards or something. Yes. Okay, so I'll give you a perfect example. Um, when I was like maybe seven I had been really good friends with um, a girl we were best friends we would hang out loads and stuff and then a couple of months into the friendship you know she would turn around to me and she was like oh I can't be friends with you anymore you know my parents found out that you're Libyan so that kind of thing and you know when you're a kid you're just kind of like oh okay bye (laughs) and that's okay like you well I mean it's not okay but you don't take it to heart too much but you do start realising that there is exclusion in a way and um, and it's all well and good being like oh I'm Irish it's grand like blah 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 especially because my accent is I'm totally Irish as well um, you know I'm light skinned enough that I can pass as Irish uh, but you know it's wrong. It's very hurtful as well. Of course. You know, and, and I know you were able to pass at your seven years of age. 
when you mentioned the 19 watershed for you, 19, this becomes mm, apparent. Mm. Are there differences that are, you know, extenuated by people, you know, that m- make it known that you're different? Well, yeah, of course. But to be honest, I think differences are to be celebrated as well as similarities. Yeah. It's our similarities that are sort of comforting enough. And Why know. isn't the rest of the world all like that? <laughs> we would have no very little problems if... I think it's because there are generally kind of two types of people. It's you're either drawn to the unknown or you're really afraid of the unknown. And a mm. lot of people are really afraid of the unknown. And I guess... I know that it comes with a little bit of practice or something. Yeah. Did you uh, miss Christmas? <laughs> we started doing Christmas a couple of years ago. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> we started doing Christmas about four or five years ago. Yeah. Uh, my mum actually did it when she was a kid anyway. Her dad would have got them a tree and stuff. I mean, he obviously didn't do it like they didn't do the whole thing, but they did presents and stuff. And I often feel sorry for children who are not part of that here, you know, and, and I don't mean that in any disrespectful course, way because I understand people have their beliefs and and, and, and uh, that, that that's the way it is. It's a but very I, good coping mechanism yeah. for the winter. Okay. <laughs> now you have it. Yeah. Now you have it. Yeah. It gets us through yeah, when the days totally. are short and the weather's absolutely sense. awful. At home, you know, there was a real uh, difference in your mum and dad, wasn't there, in, in growing up? Yeah. I would describe your mum ma- as liberal and your dad as conservative, perhaps. Is that That's fair to really say? That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. 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 Was that a challenge? Oh, 100%. Yeah, complete challenge. And, you know, as well, in terms of if you were to compare uh, the culture to how Ireland would have been maybe 50 years ago, um, I think a lot of the time I've noticed with um, like my own experience, of course, I can only speak from that, but the sort of male household, the father was supposed to sort of protect, you know, the honour of the family. And if you do anything out of the norm and, you know, really, you know how people worry about what the neighbours will say. And it's the same kind of crap that people are still dealing with around what the community, you know, think of you. Yes. Um, so if you imagine that in a really, really concentrated level and in, in a house where there's two cultures happening you know I'm you know me and my siblings are being raised in Ireland in an Irish culture and you know my let's say my dad for example really couldn't accept that you know he's even though you know the choice to come over here and everything but it's very hard to live your life 45 years a specific way and then have to change your ways and I think um, what's really exciting about my mum in comparison to that is the openness to sort of liberate yourself from the things that might be oppressing you and I think my dad maybe didn't have the courage to do that in in a sense to, to put it hopefully not too harshly I know, I know. but it's 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 a difficult it's a challenge that I think a lot of a lot of migrants face in terms of integration because it's hard enough coming somewhere and you know you're not feeling completely welcome, but at the same time, you really want to embrace all the opportunities that are happening around mm. you. And you don't want to lose that huge part of your identity as well. It's like, what do you keep? What do you let yeah. go of? It's a real dilemma. <laughs> yeah. You've obviously straddled both. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I see yeah. your shirt. <laughs> Believe in yourself. You've obviously done that quite a lot through the years, and uh, I, I see the results of that as well. Look, the singing and the music. Uh, your mother's tapes. Talk to me about Fatima's tapes. Oh, so grown up, I'd say my earliest, like most 
positive memories of music would have been the mixtapes in the car, you know, <laughs> that we're playing. And like, you know, when you listen to a song, you're like, oh, my life is such a movie. And <laughs> it was like Blown in the Wind, Bob Dylan and all these, you know, everything from that to Bad Boys. And like, there's this one song, I can't remember the name of it, but you know that one's like, my lady, that band wheel, down, 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 down. <laughs> like such clear memories of these you songs. You got me there. I can't tell <laughs> you, but we'll try and sort that one out. When, when we're finished this chat and your dad was a singer all right but wouldn't have been on that side of things but obviously like him being able to belt out a song which he well, could well I just remember him singing in the car sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah so was, you know there yeah. was that but it's an interesting influence because usually people who you know write music like you are now and performing so brilliantly have you know somebody in the family that <laughs> sang or wrote or played mm. you know what I'm saying yeah well my eldest brother when I was you know a, about nine I remember he was starting his own band and he was writing songs and he was playing guitar and that really 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 inspired me and really Mm. heavily influenced me yeah and so kind of I suppose it really shocked me as well the power of of expression in that Mm. way because I remember the stuff he was writing about was sort of kind of amazing to me as well and I just thought the power of a song is amazing as well you know on a really cathartic level when you're writing it but obviously as well how it connects with other people mm. you know it, it kind of has no there's no there's no blocks there's no borders there. I've picked a song yeah one of yours okay it's called Sunblock <laughs> right you didn't send me this one no I'm like how did you find I've come this? across this <laughs> I love this. I love this song. And I want to play it now because I want listeners to get a feel for what Farah L is about. Cool. When did you write this? I wrote this about, I think it was like three years ago at a music festival. I woke up the next morning and I just was sitting in the campsite. And away it goes. Here it is from a campsite three years ago with Sunblock and Farah L. There's a lot of hot sand on the ocean floor I'm still trying to hoover up the shore Is it true that you want it more? Is it true that... Cause I'ma line up all the facts where we can't ignore Our bodies telling us that we want more They dance all day and night, they did more Have you got your sunblock on? Cause I can't help you wash it off You got your sunblock on Have you got your sunblock on Cause I can't help you wash it off Focus on the shards of glass on the wood Floor, and I'm looking for the right way to tell them more about my seasonal uproars, uproars. But the people they don't know what it is that they're asking for. All that matters is that they want more. So I turned up the volume and said no more. I said no more. Have you got your sunblock on? Cause I can't you wash it off. You got your sunblock on. Sunblock on. 
Young woman, can you sing? It's absolutely brilliant. Sunblock, Farah El on late lunch this afternoon. By the way, Colette Keevney's or Carney's after being out to us from Navin. That song, The Tapes in Your Mum's Car, is a Cat Stevens song, she says. Does that ring a bell with you yet? Cat Stevens, well done. (laughs) Thanks, Colette. Let's head to a short break. More from the brilliant Farah El in about three minutes. Take note of this name, Farah El. I'll tell you something, you're going to hear much more about this young woman in the near future. Oh my word, that song, Sunblock, is absolutely gorgeous, may Aww. I say. Oh, it really is. It's beautiful. Um, album, 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 album. Look, you have a range of songs now. Mm. Is, is it coming? Yes, it actually is, believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it's been in the works for a couple of years now. I cannot wait to just, like, put it out there. Just get it off my chest. And I think in the next couple of weeks, it'll actually be totally wrapped up and done. And I'm so like, I can't even, it doesn't even feel real that that's going to happen because I've been working on it for so long. Uh, I really can't wait. Yeah. And I'm going to be 25 in October. And my goal was to have it done by then and just not, not even have to think about it anymore after that. And I I think it's actually kind of realistic. I think that's actually going to happen by the time, yeah, by the time I hit 25, it'll be done. So, Oh, what a time this is for you. And I know you have a name for the album. She won't tell me. <laughs> I know, I can't tell you. I'm she so said she sorry. Can't. She just can't at the moment. But look, <laughs> we'll talk to you when the album is back and a reality as well. What, what are you doing at the moment? Are you gigging? What's coming up? Yeah, I'm gigging. I, I gig quite regularly. Uh, I also do workshops around like community integration and wellness. Um, and I kind of do like really bits and bobs. I do a lot of youth work as well and just kind of dip my toes in different things, um, wear a few hats. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking about taking a little hiatus actually um, and just writing and uh, going somewhere, maybe um, living somewhere for a couple of months and just, okay. yeah, yeah, just just focusing on being an artist. James Vincent McMorrow, do you know that guy? Yeah. He's some international star now. He mm. sat in that seat with me mm. many moons ago and he was out locked up in Termin Fecking in a house and he did what you did as Lovely. well. Look yeah. where he is today. Yeah. I, 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 I spotted that and I sense similar with you Aww. today. I, I really do. <laughs> you write, you compose, you play music and here's the thing, you play by ear. Mm. You never learned formally to read music, no? Mm-mm, no, like I am... Um it started with just that love, really, uh, listening and and hearing something and just copying it. I'd be sitting at the piano and I'd be listening and I would copy it or, um, you know, learn it that way. I did try lessons when I was about 11. My mum got me some piano lessons, but about two lessons in, I had to stop because of two reasons. I was like, this teacher's making this thing I love feel like homework. <laughs> So that was one reason. And the other reason was my ear was so developed at that stage from teaching myself that the teacher couldn't play the songs for me anymore because I was supposed to be learning it by reading it. Uh, But I would just cheat by like listening to it and playing it. So I had to stop with the lessons. Hey, you saved your mother a fortune. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully you'll make a one now in the future years because of your ear and and not the formal (laughs) learning of it. What do you, you know, we heard the song there and the story behind Sunblock as well. And we're going to hear Silk now in a minute just before we finish up. Mm. What do you write about? What, you know, prompts this talent to come out in the form of words and lyrics? 
Um, definitely my... It's totally guided by my intuition, of course, but really just my observations of the world around me. And you can kind of get inspiration from the most random things, but I'm a real feeler. Like, I really... Uh, strongly empathetically feel what's going on around me in my environment so um it really is just observations of of the world around me and what what kind of goes on and i really sort of feel the need to get those things off my chest that most of the time we don't really talk about in daily conversation or um everything behind the facade is is really what interests me more than anything you know you're deep, <laughs> deeper, deeper, deeper stuff that's that's in there as well. It's an exciting time for you now, isn't it? It is. Um, the album on the way, you know, gigging regularly. See, you know, you've dipped your wa- toe in the water and you've been so well received. I see this across social media. People are clamouring mm. for more. They're going to get it soon <laughs> as well. Life's good. Life is good. Life is beautiful. Yeah. Life can be very beautiful. It is. And your mum and folks should be so proud of you. <laughs> and you. they are, I know. They are indeed. <laughs> We're going to finish out today uh, with another one of yours, which will this be on the next album? Sam? It will. On yes. the forthcoming album, yeah. album, the first album. The story of this is you sing in your native tongue first and then it goes into the English vernacular after that. What's mm. the story of this? So this song is really... Uh, about culture clash uh, and my experience of that and being a child of two worlds really and what that means and how that feels um, and yeah they start at the beginning that part you hear in Arabic is an old Arabic folk song called Binti Shalabiya it means like my girl of Shalabiya as a name and so I sort of um, interpreted that into the melody of that into then the lyrics that I wrote after that came after It's brilliant and, and this really <laughs> does bring your Arabic background, you know, in singing into your music as well. You really get this now when we mm. listen to it. Mm. Thank you for calling into Thanks, late Jay. lunch today. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure meeting you. I wish you well with the launch of the forthcoming album and with everything you do. Thank and you. I'll say it again. You are a real talent. <laughs> Farah El. Thanks. God bless it's you. Silk. Binti Shalabi.
Now it's only when something happens and we're in the vicinity and somebody needs medical help urgently that we realise we really should all be trained in CPR. We're going to talk about it for the next while on Late Lunch because... I'm joined on the show today by Mark Lynch. He's a care operative with the National Ambulance Service and he's based in Navan in County Meath. And also with us today is Pat Smith. And he's everywhere and anywhere, as he told me. He's the ambulance officer for North Leinster. You're both gentlemen very welcome to the Thank show. Mark, if I could start with yourself, let's go back to this holiday. Holiday in Lanzarote with your family. Beautiful. Beautiful time, yeah. Oh, not about the lovely weather. Sunshine. Everyone enjoying themselves. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, I'm leaving that work behind me for a couple of weeks here. And we'll just relax. Not so. What happened? Uh, it was the second day there, Jerry, and uh, I was sitting with my two kids, Jack and Nisha, there at the side of the pool. And I overheard a girl saying to her aunt, Catherine never came back up from the bottom of the pool. So I kind of looked and I took off the glasses and I tried to bring my kids away and go towards Catherine. So, because I didn't want my kids to see what yes. was going on. So uh, I ran over and I pulled Catherine from the pool. She was at the bottom of the pool? She was at the bottom of the pool and some woman lifted her up and I pulled her in from the side of the pool onto the onto the pavement. Now this girl is called, her name is Catherine, Catherine Smiley Catherine and Smiley, she's yeah. from Liverpool. Yeah. You, you didn't know her or her family from either. Adam at this stage? No, no. Is there a life in Catherine when you take her from the pool? There was no life in Catherine, no. There was no, there was no pulse. She was a hypoxic, which is no oxygen getting to the brain. So I straight away started CPR. Now, when uh, she's at the bottom of the pool, she's obviously taking water she's into her lungs. Water in, yeah. Do you have to try and get that out? Yeah, it's to get that moving, get that water out. So that's what happened when we started the CPR. It's the water started coming, coming out. You know. So you'd go through the process of trying to get oxygen into the lungs, get our heart yeah. going again with the compressions. So it was around, probably up to around four to five minutes doing compressions. Is that a long time? Compressions is, it's tough when you're on your own doing compressions, you know. So uh, then when I seen the water coming up, I said, OK, we're going somewhere here, you know. So then she started coughing. So after that, then I said, brilliant. What a this moment is, that must be for you in your job. That cough. Yeah. Life, life yeah, has returned. Life, life has returned, you know. And didn't know what age Catherine was or anything like that. I didn't know anything about the girl, but it was just, that's how important CPR is. It changes lives. It changes a family's life. So At that so stage, you are concentrating on that young woman. What age yeah. is she? Uh, She's 14. 14. She's 14, yeah. And... Um, are you aware of... Uh, there's obviously bedlam going on all around you. Or is it camped? Uh, I don't know. You, you didn't realise. I didn't realise. My first thing was, come on, I need to get this girl. girl and that was your sole focus yeah. to do that. Yeah. And and then when you get the cough and there is a response, do you have to keep the CPR going? I, I Well, when I got a lot up, she, st- she ended up having a, a seizure with the hypoxia and the, the oxygen which uh, that went on and that went on then for probably an hour an hour and a half in the hospital when she actually 
was brought off to hospital as well. So when you're at your job, people are ringing frantically to get emergency services Ooh. in Lanzarote, in the area, to where you are with her. Yeah. Did You stayed with her till the handover I happened? I stayed with her until, yeah. Communication barrier was... Wasn't great, but we done our best. Mm. So, uh, what about yeah. her family? Who was with her there? Uh, her aunt and her granny was with her and her sister. So her dad flew over then the next day, uh, and came straight to the apartments just to thank me. And mm. so the know, the so. local crew then came in and took over, and yeah. she was removed to hospital. She was removed. To How hospital. long was she in hospital for? Uh, roughly around four days, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See a major incident like that, yeah, uh, did, yeah. Everything had to be checked out afterwards. Everything was checked. Mm. Do you know? I'm looking at a lovely picture of you and her here. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> she came back to say hello to you, did she? She did. She came back and, oh, my kids was delighted when they seen her back because they didn't know what happened. They didn't know what to... Yeah, there was trauma for them as well. It was trauma for them, but sure, I've, I, I live with a counsellor and psychotherapist, so she could treat them. <laughs> <laughs> You're well sussed as a family, let me say. So uh, she, she sorted us all out. Yeah, yeah. All's well that ends yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But there's a couple of lessons in this. Number one, holidays, swimming pools, beaches, yeah. seasides. You know, I always say to people, go to places where there's lifeguards. There was no lifeguard at that pool. Mm. There was no AED, you know. Uh, so, so there was nothing, and, actually. And none of the staff was trained on first aid. <gasps> so that's the way it was there. So Well, there's a consideration for everybody now booking a holiday things. abroad and a family holiday. You should be looking at these yeah. things. Is there a lifeguard at your pool? What are the services around? That's a basic, really. Especially now. when you have kids. Oh, for when sure. When you have kids and you're going to relax on a holiday, mm. you need mm. them resources there. Oh, that's very important to say. Back to this young lady, Catherine Smiley. What did she say to you when, you know, when she... Just give me a hug. Ah, mm. a hug. Yeah. It says said, everything, Thanks very it? much. You, you know, saved so that was, woman's was life. What? That must feel very special. Uh, yeah, I, you know, because I'm kids myself. I'm not, you know, and I'm in the ambulance service and everybody thinks, oh, you know, they'd be hurt. But, you know, little things like that pulls your heartstrings, you know. And they do, because you've kid yourself. And Why you wouldn't they pull you know, at your heartstrings? Yeah. Let me bring in your colleague who's with you here today. You're very welcome to the show, Pat Smith, Ambulance Officer for, for North Leinster. On the general, in the general sense about CPR, Pat, let's come back to this again. Are there too few of us know about it or are trained in it still? Yeah, there's always room for training and we are expanding that uh, through our community first responders. Um, in the June figures, we would have 240 uh, plus groups of community first responders across Ireland and they will respond to calls on behalf of National Ambulance Service through a text uh, system and they receive messages of where the, to go to a particular air code and the air code being really important because it brings them right to somebody's front door. Um, in the month of June alone, we had 340 taskings of our community first responders and they're all trained up in CPR and they all carry AEDs. But we are trying to get the message out through our schools and we're starting with the younger people in the primary care, primary schools and then we're trying to expand that through media, uh, social media and on our National Ambulance Service website as well. Um, but in tandem with those community first responders we will deploy both air and land assets and we'll have a combination, a skill mix on that, be it advanced paramedic or paramedic. And, and then Mark's group as well, they, you know, through the Intermediate Care Service, they deploy also. So c 
collectively we are working towards uh, saving lives our res- response return of spontaneous circulation for the month of June is up now at 37% which is a big uh, it's a big plus you're very for happy us. with that yeah we're going in the right direction yeah. a lot more work to do um, but we will continue to push out the education and offer the support uh, through the community engagement officers who every day and every night are out encouraging local community groups to get together and and do their bit for the local community. Yes, it's a very important thing to do. What age, how young can you teach somebody CPR? You could start at five years of age and and work your way up. It's really, particularly the AEDs, we need to get those out there as well. And when you switch on those machines, they will prompt you and tell you what to do. Um, However, you must have good compressions and you need to push hard and push fast. Mm. And make sure you dial 999 or 112 to have help coming to you. To back you up, that's right. And like like you had, Mark, as well, in your circumstances. The other thing is, I've said this recently on the show, and really I am going to do it with the autumn coming in now. I've been trained in the past, in other lifetimes, but it's a long time, and I'd I'd have an idea of what to do. But what about lots of people today listening who've done it in their past and need refreshers? Well, the ideal opportunity is coming in October, Restart a Heart Day on the 16th of October this year. We had it last year as a massive success for us. It was supported by LMFM and it really is an ideal opportunity for people that like that refresher to get some hands on. And that'll be advertised uh, on our National Ambulance Service website. So that's October. That particular day. Yeah, it's we, Restart a Heart Day. We'll have to come back to this. We will. We, we really will. And, and I'm, I'm going to take part in this in a practical sense because I want to do it again. I want to, to know this uh, because it is so important for, for all of us to do. Um, coming back to you, to you again... It, Oh, you were off duty yet it was off something duty, in yeah. the line of duty you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah. as well have you ever had to do anything like that before when you went at work I was just it was before I joined the ambulance service I did yeah, yeah mm. a, a young lad uh, playing football back in 2016 in Kelberry there in, in Mead he did a cardiac arrest and you got in uh, there again I, I was I was working at that game for Drumbarra when right. it happened so yeah but the, we had a good crew we had a good few lads there and we all kind of worked as a team yeah. so he lived to tell the tale thanks for the lads so. oh my god these are great stories so they, that's, they really are that's how important CPR is yeah. it's, it is so important mm. and you know I know Pat was saying there's and there's voluntary service there's the order mod there's the Red Cross there's civil defence you know community mm. first responders they will all be doing courses Okay, so there's no I mean? excuse. So it's there, is, there is no excuse. You all over ch- louder than me than beyond. Yeah. There'll be plenty going on and especially focused around this day as well. But all those local groups are there all of the time yeah. and all you have to do is touch base with them and see when is the next course coming along. If you've never done it, go and do it for a first time and if you need a refresher, refreshers are important, aren't they? Yes, to Very refresh yes. your knowledge because yeah. it does go with time and that confidence thing. I think it's a confidence thing as well to be able to take on a situation like we've been talking about. Well, listen, before we finish today, I want to do one thing. I've done this once before this year and I'm going to do it again because you've impressed me so much with your story. Here on LMFM Radio, and I know the listeners are nominating all the time people who are unsung heroes, okay? You're sitting with us here on the month of August and Home Instead Senior Care are are the sponsors of this along with ourselves on LMFM Radio and on the late lunch. And I am taking the liberty to nominate you as the unsung hero for the month of August, Mark Lynch. 
congratulations to you. Thanks very much. And uh, you will be gathering with all the others at the end of the year and there'll be a recognition of that and a little get-together one evening for everybody and we'll be in touch about that. Oh, but I'm delighted to name much, you sorry. that because you saved a life and you've saved a life in the past here in the North East as well at a Gaelic football game. Well done to you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you both gentlemen for joining me on the show to highlight this. To Mark Lynch and Pat Smith, it's great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. And we're finishing out today with an appropriate song for you guys as well because you know you know Vinnie Jones, the former footballer, yeah, yeah. movie actor now? He is involved in a big ad- advertising campaign. You may know this for CPR as well. And the song is the Bee Gees and it's so important because you will be staying alive when you know how to do your CPR. It's the Bee Gees on Late Lunch this afternoon with Staying Alive. with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Capture comes with a five-star safety rating and is an ideal compact SUV with lots of space for the family. Pick up your 192 Capture at Blackstone Motors this August. See blackstonemotors.ie Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 